then again uh, getting investors to actually see that larger vision is actually a challenge so people get intoxicated in saying okay let me put in money on your commercialization so our unit economics is positive uh, that means that every piece that we sell will actually make money so we don't need investors actually for commercializing at all right that's the, whereas in software you will actually say marketing is about 60% of your cost so so when investors come and say um, i can actually invest in your commercialization but not in your larger product development i'm like sorry boss this is one i want actually the money for and i don't need the money for this hi wherever you're listening to us i hope you're doing well welcome to forbes india's tech conversations where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs cxos and investors i'm hari arakli as india readies its own deep tech startups policy starting today i bring you a short series of conversations with some of the entrepreneurs and vc investors who are building this ecosystem in the country in this episode professor satya chakravarti head of the national center for combustion research and development at iit madras and co-founder of the eplane company talks about some of the recent milestones at his venture professor satya also offers some advice on navigating the challenges of building a deep tech company and bursts a couple of myths along the way morning professor satya thank you so much again for making time for this podcast and of course welcome back uh, really looking forward to this conversation maybe you could take 2 minutes to just briefly give us a backgrounder of your work at iit madras and a little bit about yourself and then we'll go from there oh thanks thanks for uh, having me back here uh, glad to be here um, i am professor satya chakravarti uh, professor of aerospace engineering at iit madras um, i head the national center for combustion r&d um, called nccrd at uh, nccrd we have a bunch of uh, deep tech startups uh, that work out of there um, or ca- have come out of there uh, first and foremost that i actually lead myself is uh, the eplane company where we are making a um, air taxi uh, electric vehicle aircraft for air taxi applications um, leading the pack again is uh, agnikul cosmos that is uh, into making 3D printed rockets uh, to assemble them to make launch vehicles to take satellites to uh, space orbits. Uh, we have Aerostrovelos that is making um, micro gas turbines for onboard uh, uh, propulsion in uh, series electric hybrid uh, vehicles. Um, we have uh, Extra Fuels that is uh, trying to convert uh, municipal solid waste into crude oil. Uh, we have uh, uh, Galaxy that's uh, making. Um, multi-sensor earth observation satellites uh, we have tutor hyperloop um, that's uh, trying to commercialize uh, hyperloop technologies and um, we had new trace uh, spin out of uh, nccrd which uh, is into making green hydrogen by water splitting okay very comprehensive and quite a formidable portfolio over there let's let's talk a bit more about uh, eplane company uh, again i know that there have been some really interesting developments you raised funding you got a a milestone uh, recognition for your design from the dgca and before yeah. we get into all of that uh, uh, just tell us a bit more about uh, this vertical takeoff and landing air taxi that you're building uh, give us an update on where you are at today right so we are setting out to build uh, the world's most compact vertical takeoff and landing aircraft uh, despite having wings uh, that means that uh, we compete better than those other aircraft which do not even have wings 
Um, and uh, we also specialize in flying that fairly slowly with a certain uh, specific uh, arrangement of uh, the vertical propulsion with respect to the wings. And uh, uh, that allows us to actually uh, be able to do multiple short trips in a single charge, um, like how a typical taxi would work. Um, so to the extent I can see, um, I, don't, I don't think anybody else is actually coming close to where we are in terms of the trip economics. Um, so where we are today is uh, we have uh, shown uh, flight tests of uh, a subscale prototype, which we are now going to commercialize for cargo applications. And uh, we are on the way to making our uh, first prototype of the full-scale two-seater of the air taxi um, by the end of this year. What did you mean by competing with aircraft which don't have wings? There are uh, basically two kinds of VTOLs. Uh, one is uh, of the drone type, multi-copter, um, could have about four to eight rotors, or I think, um, I think there is Volocopter, which is doing 18 vertical rotors in a ring that's on top of the cabin. Um, so these are actually la larger in footprint when compared to the winged aircraft that I make, that we are making. Can, can you uh, give us a sense of uh, what are some of the interesting specifications, um, some of the innovations that you're building into it? No, I think uh, uh, until until we make the plane and uh, fly, uh, these specifications are actually design targets. Um, so we actually design them, design for uh, these. So the idea here is uh, we start with uh, doing a two two seater. That's our first uh, product that we want to um, put out in the market and operationalize. Um, so the two seater actually corresponds to about a two hundred kg payload and. Uh, uh, we expect to go towards a a single charge range of about 200 kilometers uh, when we are when we are done. Um, but I think the initial prototypes will probably do um, quite less than that, considering battery packs being what they are and and so on. Uh, we do have some uh, innovation in terms of how we do the battery cooling uh, by taking in the air from outside that's flowing around the aircraft, um, and we do a lot of uh, sensor stack development for, by ourselves for. Uh, obstacle avoidance, uh, precision landing, and all those kinds of things. So that uh, the aircraft can actually be fully autonomous technically, but uh, regulations will not permit a fully autonomous aircraft. So we will position them as a, a large level of uh, pilot assist features. So even on the, the commercial version that you're going to produce first, that will also be something that will have a pilot in it, is it? Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, always. Ha. Huh. okay. Can you talk a bit more about uh, the product development? You've been uh, building this company now for how long? About five years? Four years. Four years. Four years. So over this time, can you walk us through uh, some of the important uh, innovations that you've been trying to build? And from a point of view of developing the tech stack that is required, can you give us a sense of what all you've had to work on? Right. Uh, the first thing that we had to work on was to crack this code on how to do a very compact winged aircraft that... Uh, uh, flies very slowly. That's that's not trivial at all by any means, um, because conventionally uh, slow flying aircraft actually are the kind of uh, gliders that you see, and they have very wide wings. And uh, fast flying aircraft are like these uh, fighter jets, which uh, have fairly narrow wings. Um, so we are actually trying to um, have the opposite combination. That is to have a very compact wing and fly very slowly. I mean, the fact that you have a wing is because you can use the airflow around it to create the lift that you want for balancing the weight of the aircraft. Uh, so unless you are like a super light 
uh, aircraft, you need like a large wing area, particularly when you're flying slowly. And then there are penalties that you have to pay if you're making the wing large by making it wider when compared to uh, broader. When you're trying to do that, um, we don't ask ourselves, um, hey, we are actually doing a VTOL. So what are those vertical rotors doing in forward flight other than being a dead weight after having taken off? Um, so is there a way by which we can utilize them in a some sort of a nonlinear way, uh, not just a no, not just as an assist for the lift that will guzzle power. Um, so we have to actually minimize the power consumption on board as much as possible so that we can save up on the battery um, in a trip and then we can use it for the next trip and the next trip and so on as much as possible. Um, so yeah, so we actually worked on um, laboratory experiments um, very. Um, very simple simulations and all those things in order to uh, file a patent as early as possible on this. Um, so in 2019 itself, we actually filed a provisional patent on this. And then uh, 2020, we filed the full patent uh, along alongside a PCT and you know went through the 30-month period. Um, and then we have filed about the, the country filings in about 30 countries around the world. So that's the first thing that we did. Um, the second thing we did was to um, try out the, this whole thing in a small plane, which could actually be a tabletop. Um, so we have about a wingspan of about 1.7 meters. And we targeted to take a fairly ambitious payload of about 6 kgs. It's ambitious because people in this class of uh, craft, uh, people are taking about 2 kgs with a 3 meter wingspan. So we wanted to make it as half, almost like half uh, as what other people are doing. And then increase the payload by about three times. These are like staggering goals. And um, so uh, while we were actually trying to, so then we actually faced the entrepreneur's dilemma. So whenever um, you're actually setting out to make a product, um, internally you want to make something at a sub subscale, um, which, uh, uh, which you want to actually test out and then see for yourself and before you can go, go to the next next level. And it also is like a proof of concept. It uh, you know builds confidence in investors, all those kinds of things. Uh, but then uh, you always ask the question, is it possible to make money out of it? Um, so can I go commercialize it and so on? And uh, uh, so in 2019, we had that situation. And uh, um, fortunately for me at that time, the regulations were not supporting it. Uh, drone rules were not there um, to fly um, at all, actually, as a matter of fact, I think until 2018, India did not even recognize drones. <laughs> yeah. right? And uh, then they had, uh, then they started looking at putting out drone regulations and so on. Only 2021, it became a lot easier. Um, so when we were actually trying to uh, get investor funding for commercializing this, uh, our investors were calling out that the regulations do not exist for this and, and so on. So nobody wanted to actually put in money on something that's patently illegal hmm. to do, right? Um, so we then said, okay, fine, let's actually go ahead and do what we want to do, which is that taxi. Um, and then uh, we configured it to, again, have another subscale prototype at a fairly large scale. Uh, so this is about a three-meter wingspan. Um, and um, so at three meters, again, for example, the two kg payload guys um, would actually have a three-meter wingspan. But we said, let's actually have a three-meter wingspan for a 50 kg payload. <laughs> right hmm. so it's it's huge staggering uh, kind of uh, you know aims that we have uh, the, the technology games i mean my uh, 
my team actually pleasantly curses me every day for setting these kinds of targets um and then then we go ahead and try to achieve whatever we can as much as possible because then we are still way ahead of any competition um because no nobody else is even thinking about doing doing such things um so that's what we have actually achieved in few months back um and then we are on our way to doing the full scale prototype the design is complete uh, we are going through the detailed engineering in a couple of months we should probably start the first prototype manufacturing um so it's been that kind of a step by step process since 2019 so now the way that you've designed it uh, you figured out a way in which the rotors once they lift the plane you can also use them to move the plane forward no uh, okay. we don't do that um, we use them as they are uh, but we have separate rotors that are moving moving it forward okay so the ones that are used for vertical takeoff and landing are very specific to that and they are fixed and they don't yeah okay okay understood um and so the, earlier this year you had uh, i think an important milestone in terms of a dgc approval for your design can you walk us through the significance and what is the approval for well uh, if you have to uh, commercialize your aircraft you need to first of all go through what's called as a type certification um and uh, for us to go through the type certification of the aircraft um uh, we have to first of all be approved to be a design organization um so then there are certain metrics for an aircraft uh, design organization um the the uh, regulator will want to satisfy themselves that you are not any Tom Dick and Harry in the street uh, trying to make a plane you have a certain uh, structure to your organization that has all the aspects that's required for designing a full aircraft and um, so they have they have set pros- processes procedures compliance requirements and all those things that we have to go through um and then they would go through an inspection they would uh, then audit uh, the people that are there uh, interview them all of those things and then uh, they award the design organization approval uh, that's called the DOA um so we got that uh, last march uh, sorry may um yeah and i think we are the first private company um in the in, in india to get that for making a full aircraft Okay so that's the significance basically it allows you to go ahead and build your plane now correct okay okay excellent or um, they will or they will recognize the plane that we build <laughs> ah okay okay yeah that's nicely put all right and you also raised some funding i think around 20 million dollars was that in no 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 uh, we 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 are on the road to raise it so we we had just put out an announcement saying that we will we will announce uh, we, we will raise yeah. so okay we'll... how far along are you on that Uh, we are uh, still looking at a couple of uh, potential strategic investors, and uh, they would take their time. Uh, mm. So we are trying to do a small round close on a convertible note, so that uh, uh, we can get in some money early on, and uh, we get the strategics to make up their minds. Mm. Yeah. This would be a series A, is it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and the strategics would mean that you are now looking for like an aircraft company. someone would have a long term partnership with you and help you with the commercialization etc so the evitols are not aircraft either uh-huh. uh, so they they are so the, the colloquial term for them is flying cars so you can actually think of automotive companies um uh, as well right so okay uh, so uh, that's exactly what i want i mean uh, in in my opinion the wrong thing to do is to actually go to an aircraft company to Uh, have a partnership with evitol simply because aircraft are uh, have been up in the sky not in terms of 
where they belong physically, but also in terms of cost, uh, you know, uh, and all that stuff. So there, there are some things that we actually take for granted and we don't really question. For example, uh, if you look at a lot of medical equipment, right? So like the same TV monitor that is used at your home, if they sell it as part of like um, some kind of a scanning device or something like that, it becomes like 3x the price simply because it's medical grade. Um, I don't even know what they do <laughs> to make it medical grade. Right? It's not even getting inside the body of a person. right? So see, these things are all tactics that people do. And uh, very similarly, I think the aviation industry is uh, used to upping the cost simply because there is safety and all those things. I mean, there is maybe some truth to that. But, uh, you know, uh, we in India were always looking at how to lower the cost because we, are like, we, are, we grow up in a price sensitive market. Um, so considering, and then we don't really have otherwise a civil aviation industry as such, which is you know make uh, designing, making, building uh, planes here. So it has to be foreign companies, and foreign companies are extre- extremely expensive. That's exactly what I don't want to <laughs> have. So uh, yeah, so we should actually look at this as an automobile, and the world over, for example, Joby Aviation has been invested upon by Toyota. Um, so. Uh, it's it's a it's a pattern. Um, we should actually be looking at lowering the aviation costs while we are trying to do EV tolls because it has to be accessible. We need to have uh, hundreds of these flying over your cities, uh, whereas uh, the entire country, like India, has maybe about eight hundred planes that are flying across airports yeah. between cities. So look at the numbers, right? So we um, have to actually think of it more like cars when com- when uh, when compared to planes. But so you need to have the safety of the planes and the uh, uh, the cost economics like cars. That's that's okay. the trick to this industry. Mm, understood. So, I mean, a related matter to uh, funding. I mean, today everyone is talking about a funding winter. And one of the reasons I wanted to catch up with you, sir, was also to ask you about what you're seeing in the uh, the sort of umbrella deep tech or, you know, ecosystem today when it comes to raising money for Companies like yours where a lot of investment has to be made upfront and the gestation periods are very long before yes. you can commercialize. Uh, what are some of the challenges today in India? Yeah, I think uh, that the funding winter is actually for real. Um, a lot of people are validating this. A uh, lot of, uh, you know, e-commerce companies themselves have actually gone through uh, like a devaluation, if you will, and then so on. Uh, so all of that stuff is actually reflective of uh, the, the mood and the climate. Um, what I don't understand, uh, of course, I'm not I'm not like a macroeconomist or whatever it is. The macroeconomics of India is actually looking pretty good. Uh, in fact, uh, I think uh, uh, the U.S. actually got uh, derated by some of these uh, rating companies yeah. uh, and, and so on. So I would have expected that everybody should actually be investing in India. <laughs> right. But maybe that happens only at some very uh, you know high levels and not at startups and definitely not at deep tech startups. So. Uh, it doesn't per- percolate. So many times I feel that investors are actually just looking at each other and then behaving like what other people would do and, and so on. They're just holding their fists tighter, um, waiting for a, uh, you know, <clears throat> some... And then suddenly one guy will actually say, okay, guys, let's start splurging and then they'll splurge. And uh, that's what happened in 2021, <laughs> right? So uh, it's, it's sort of like a like a pattern. Um, there is no... There doesn't, there doesn't seem to be like a huge amount of science to it. Uh, to the extent I can see, but that's what it is, and we have to uh, live with it. Uh, so the good thing uh, going is, you know, every challenge is always turned into an opportunity by, by an entrepreneur. And uh, uh, 
And uh, I think the right thing for us to do is to always be market-oriented, market-fronted. So the question is, like, how can we commercialize what we have achieved so far? Um, so it's it's a fallacy that deep tech requires a lot of investment, a lot of uh, uh, long gestation period. It's not, it's not exactly so. I mean, if you craft your deep tech right, you can actually get these subscale prototypes to also actually commercialize. Um, so you have to write, get, get the right product market fit at every level that you're trying to prove your technology. Um, in fact, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a nice game because we have to make sure that the smaller ones uh, that you're making, um, you'll probably find other people are also able to make it at that level. Um, and so you need to be extremely price competitive, um, first of all. And uh, second, uh, you shouldn't actually do a over-engineering of it just because you are you are cut out for making a plane or, or a larger prototype, right? Um, so this should actually have its own product market fit um, by, by itself. So those are all things that we have to cultivate. And then there is, again, another, uh, I would like to think it's a fallacy. Uh, we'll have to actually prove people wrong if they're thinking so, that it's not possible to commercialize as well as develop a, a bigger product. That's, that's the thing that... Uh, so there are, I mean, larger companies actually have been doing this for a long time. So they keep on developing their products. They keep on commercializing on the other side. So there must be a way by which we can ring fence a commercialization team that goes out and commercializes uh, the smaller prototypes <clears throat> while the larger team continues to work on the bigger product and so on. Mm. Uh, then again, uh, getting investors to actually see that larger vision is actually the challenge. So people get intoxicated and in saying, okay, let me put in money on your commercialization. And uh, we are like, well, see, again, startups actually have had this problem, uh, particularly deep tech startups have this problem that uh, we see has happened with e-commerce where because of pursuing growth, although they clock a lot of revenues, they are not, never profitable, right? And therefore they keep on seeking investments and then so on, right? So and investors are basically trying to feed money uh, into ever depleting startups, right? And they think that that's also the case with deep tech. No, deep tech actually has like solid value. So if we are, so our unit economics is positive. Uh, that means that every piece that we sell will actually make money. So we don't need investors actually for commercializing at all, right? That's yeah. the, whereas in software you will actually say marketing is about sixty percent of your cost, right? Uh, and and you, because you're just developing a software, and then you you start to get people to download it and, 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 and so on, right? So there isn't much of an asset cost. But here, we are creating like hard value, literally. And um, so you have to have worked out your unit economics in the first place to make sure that you are going to actually be cash positive for every unit that you are selling. Otherwise, you are, you are bleeding, right? So you don't, you don't want to burn money commercializing. So, so when investors come and say, um, I can actually invest in your commercialization, but not in your larger product development, I'm like, sorry, boss, this is one I want actually the money for, and I don't need the money for this, right? This I can actually commercialize, make money, and then feed it into my larger thing. This is the kind of game that uh, we will have to play uh, in these scenarios. And um, I think it's important to learn a lot of these kinds of tricks, maneuver through uh, all the uh, you know motions that you have to go through. Acqu acquiring customers is actually not, a not an easy thing at all, right? So you have to engage with customers, do a lot of demos and, and all those things on the one side while you're still focusing on the larger product development. How many people on your team today? 70. 70. Um, almost all in uh, Chennai, is it? IT Madras? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah i would imagine for your kind of endeavor it's important for people to be together to be able to work yeah. together yeah very nice um so as you know the 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 deep tech uh, draft policy has been just released and i'm i'm pretty sure you are among the top experts who are consulted in building that policy it is um, yeah. can you give us a sense of some of the brainstorming that went into making this policy i mean i think it's very timely it's it's very uh, nice that they are actually doing it <laughs> first of all yeah. right so they are recognizing that something needs to be done and um, so yeah i think we we essentially poured out our cup of woes uh, as uh, deep tech and all these basic questions that you're asking keeps coming up like how do you actually sustain funding over a longer period of time and all of those things um yeah so and I, and i gave exactly the same kind of uh, thought process that i shared with you <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. and and i think I, i see that getting reflected in the policy the draft policy mm. any one or two uh, important uh, uh, points uh, that that have come out in the policy that you like and uh, and i'd also like you to talk about what might be some of the challenges in actually implementing this policy successfully correct yeah so um i think uh, the, the most important thing is funding i think they are looking at uh, how to actually fund um these startups i think that that's actually a step in the right direction uh, because um um what we have done in the past in the, in the last few years is to see if we can actually do this through um defense uh, funding right and and it, it has its own challenges um so we can't actually paint all deep tech uh, through the defense brush uh, and uh, and then uh, they used to actually have this uh, what's called as um, no cost no commitment approach and they won't put money ahead of time so then they had idex idex actually had as, as some cap of so much money to you know do and so a lot of such things and i'm pretty sure we will also have those challenges here they will probably have like some caps that may be unrealistic for some projects Uh, whereas okay for a lot of other projects so they will have to take a call on where the cap is but i don't know if the implementation will mean that they actually take a look at a particular project and say this cap is unrealistic so we need to relax that cap and so on and that's because i think uh, deep tech again is like a hugely you know wide widely varying thing like you can uh, there is a lot of technology involved in even um, Uh, algorithms for example right so a lot of computer science algorithms or um, neural networks and all those kinds of things are also deep tech right uh, so and they may not require as much money as making a rocket or a or a or a, or a plane um so uh, and so it's not necessarily hardware but there is also like a, so a lot of software that goes into like pharma um, companies are all deep tech so wherever you're actually using science and technology um, that you learn in your um in your uh, for your degree or whatever or much more than that research um laboratory work and all those things is what gets into deep tech and uh, it's not necessary that all of them actually are as expensive as uh, some others and uh, so where do you want to draw the line and saying that this is quality work that's demonstrating lab to market that is number one and are we actually being very judgmental that it has to be something that's a very high quality research that's getting reflected because many times a lot of research can actually be blue sky that a lot of research could actually be more uh, intellectual it doesn't necessarily have to translate to something that goes into the market so i think as a startup uh, what i would be actually more interested in is actually how how much of a product market fit you have 
Uh, that means that there must be a very good understanding of what are the customer pain point, what are the customer needs, what is the, which is the customer clientele that you're trying to address, and what is the size of that market of that, that's represented by that customer. Those are all things that we'll have to actually think a bit upfront. And I don't know if like selection processes for funding will factor in those as much as the intellectual content and, and so on, uh, which I think in, a, in, in some sense is the less important. <laughs> hmm. What is your sense of how uh, this is being envisioned from the point of view of administering all of this? Will there be a new institution or will it go through the existing? Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're touching upon a very important question. Um, policies are actually always good to have, uh, but implementation is where the elephant in the room is. Um, yeah, so we'll have to see how that gets going. Because, I mean, we have the whole existing DSD infrastructure. And I was, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, what if, say, for example, an entrepreneur or a bunch of guys with a lot of experience want to develop, say, nuclear fusion? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so how is that? Will that be funded from the Atomic Energy Program or, you know? I have no idea. I don't know if uh, they're going to, like, slot it like that or... Uh they will actually want have have one common pool and so on. I mean, but mm. but um, the idea that you're actually talking about is eminently doable, by the way. Mm. Yeah. Apple, I think they're, they're doing that within space uh, for the space tech. Right. right. So, so I don't know if, uh, and then there is, again, as I said, like there are IDEX for defense, um, right? And then if somebody actually comes up with nuclear fusions, I don't know if Atomic Energy will wake up and say, hey, startups are actually knocking at our doors and we need to have something as well because you need to worry about safety and security. Right. those kinds of things, very similar to space and uh, uh, to some extent aviation and drones as well. Um, drones, for example, do not have anything specific, by the way. Mm. Uh, that's, that's, that's a bit sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a bunch of different green shoots have been happening. And I don't know where the deep tech uh, implementation is, policy implementation is going to, you know, whether they're going to bring all of them together or keep them separate and still do something to, something for the rest of the uh, domains uh, and then then people will be actually asked to run from one place to the other saying that okay you are this so you go there and then so on so we don't know so all these things may happen yeah no the nuclear fusion was on my mind fresh in my memory because i remembered i think very recently in the u.s they have just approved 10 different entrepreneur or 10 different startups and they're given some 50 million dollars yeah, yeah. i mean we have, we, have, we have been talking we have been watching that space it's actually a wonderful uh, thing and there seems to be something of a resurgence of nuclear power in the US. No, particularly, I mean, think about fusion, right? It's been like a holy grail and then there are entrepreneurs who are actually coming and cracking it and not exactly laboratory scientists mm. who are running for Nobel Prize. It's, it's, mm. it's amazing yeah. <laughs> how the science gets disrupted uh, with an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, this is all really uh, very nice, very insightful. So again, always walk away learning a lot uh, talking to you. Thank you for making time for me and definitely hope to keep the conversation going. Thanks so much. That's it for this conversation. I hope you found it interesting. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast app. I'm Hari Thank you for listening.